Hello, my brothers and sisters in Christ. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition Podcast. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion a sermon from another Well Sister Church. Today's sermon is sponsored by The Bible. Yes, The Bible. We started printing books before it was cool. Today's sermon is titled, Answer Doubt with Faith, and is based on a reading from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 14-21. through 21. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hezael, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel Maloha, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hezael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. We now join Pastor Zamzow for the sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, who answers our doubts with faith, amen. We met a man in the first lesson for this morning about, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we meet Elijah in this famous scene of him hiding in the cave. There's Elijah, maybe when you think of that name, you think of a man who saw visions and dreamed dreams, and here he is, he's sent to minister to Lord, the Lord's people. You think of the name Elijah, you think of somebody that's strong in the word, one who was maybe favored by God, and he received assurance in ways that might make modern Christians jealous. Like what happened right before the words of this text. The contest of the two altars, the one to the Lord and the one to Baal, where it was plain to see that he was the only true God. There was no question. And yet, in the first lesson for today, we find Elijah hiding out in a cave, consumed with doubt and upset with God, And he had quite the bone to pick with him. Just as we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, believers in the Lord, how often don't we feel like maybe we have a bone to pick with God or we doubt him in some shape or form? And today we hear how those complaints or those bones to pick that we so often have are really a failure on our own part. 
They, they are sinful doubt in the same way that it was with Elijah. And along with him, in, these, in this word of God for this morning, we learn with Elijah how to answer doubt with faith. The first thing we hear for today is Elijah is full of fury and disdain. So he's hiding out in this cave and he's full of fury and disdain for the course of his life and ministry. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Indeed, he had been zealous for the Lord. He had just witnessed that that trial of the two altars between the Lord and the false god Baal. And when that ultimatum was given, we see the true God answer without without a doubt, without question. And you remember the outcome, of course, that Baal's altar is untouched. Elijah even begins to mock them as they're cutting themselves and crying out and wailing. He, he basically says, is, is he asleep? Is he on vacation? Or maybe he went to the bathroom. Um, and then one little prayer and fire from heaven and the entire altar of the Lord is consumed, stones and all. And then Elijah goes and kills all the prophets of Baal himself. But then what? He doubts. Even after that powerful incident, Elijah runs in fear because King Ahaz and Queen Jezebel put a price on his head. He had been very zealous for the Lord, but look what it's got him. He's in fear for his life and he can't return home. He's stuck in a cave. He's ashamed at his fear. And at one point he cries out to God, just kill me now because I'm no better than my ancestors. And now he's hiding out in a cave with nothing to his name. And if that's not all bad enough, he feels like he's the only one left. He feels like he's the only one, the only believer. Now, now put yourself into his shoes for a second. What was he called to do? He was called to be a prophet, to minister to God's people. And here he is, a prophet with no flock. Well, he thinks he has no flock. Because everybody's left. I've been sharing this message, but it isn't working. He's supposed to be the prophet of the Lord, teaching and preaching about the only true and living God, but now he feels like nobody's heard his message and his whole purpose is completely pointless. And he begins to doubt and turn in on himself. And I think if you think about it, the application to us is is pretty self-explanatory. I think the, the one that comes to mind right away is maybe you feel like you've been very zealous for the Lord. Maybe you feel as though that you've raised your kids right. You've had home devotions. You sent them to a Christian school. You did all these things, and now what? Now maybe they resent you for it? And your thought is, well, what gives God? I thought this was all supposed to work. Or maybe you feel like you've been very zealous for the Lord, and you've spent your time and your your, your effort and your energy and your offerings at church, And you look around and we have, what, 90-some families in a community of 30,000, roughly, in the entire area. And you wonder, are we beating our head against a wall? What's going on here? I thought this gospel was supposed to work. Are we going nuts believing what we believe? Have we lost our sanity? 
I thought the word was supposed to work. It's the same complaint as Elijah, and consider the Lord's response to Elijah because it's the same response he gives us. Briefly consider how the Lord says it and what he says. Remember where, where Elijah is. He's hiding in a cave. He's angsty at God. He's afraid for his life. The Lord calls him out of that cave and tells him he's about to pass by. First, an earthquake, but God's not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord's not in the fire. After the fire came a still, small voice. And I love using that translation. Newer translations render it as a whisper or the like. But that's where the Lord was. He's in the whisper. He's in the still, small voice. Elijah, as we often do, expected that maybe he was owed something for his service to God. The idea that, hey, I've done all this work and now I'm sitting here in a cave. You owe me more, God, but where is the Lord? He's in the still, small voice. What did Elijah want? Move those mountains. Shake the earth, God. Do all those things that I think that you should do, but that's not what the Lord does. He's not in any of those things. He's in that still, quiet voice. We too often want to find God in the, the big things to move 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 the mountains in our life, to burn away our enemies and our problems. We say, have I not been zealous for the Lord? And we expect to find God in those big things, moving mountains and fire in the sky. But where is he? We talked about that at length last week. He's in the still small voice, the gentle whisper of his word, the quiet moments before the altar in the sacrament, or the quiet moments as the water drips over the head of a child. These quiet things that the world hardly acknowledges, they remind us to be still and to know that he is God. And with that still small voice, the Lord reminds Elijah of what he reminds us, though we might not see it, of what Paul says in Romans, that God does indeed work all things for the good of those that love him. The Lord promises that he'll be with Elijah. He tells him, in the next portion of the text, to go and anoint two new kings, Hazael and Jehu, right? Uh, then he says, go, go make Elisha his successor as prophet. He tells him that those who escape the sword of the one will be cut down by the other. Um, in a nutshell, God's saying, I'm not not hearing you, Elijah. I hear you. I know the rebellion and the evil of the, of the Israelites. I know the pitiable situation. I know your situation hiding out in a cave. And he delivers this comfort to him. Uh, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Essentially, you're not a failure, Elijah. You're not without purpose. You're not the only believer left. There are those in Israel who yet believe in the one true God and the promise of the Savior. And no, it's not by random chance, but because of the word. The word of God came to them. And how did it come to them? Because of you, Elijah. In your still small voice. As the Lord reminds Elijah here, so he reminds us often that it's 
many times in life that we face our greatest disappointments, when we feel as though we've lost everything, that uh, the Lord uses all those things, all those difficulties to reappoint us to him, especially when we have doubts that scream at us. Remember that still, small voice and how much we need to hear it. The voice of the only true and living God that calls us freely out of our doubt and answers doubt with faith. Faith, the quiet answer to doubt. Faith that says that you can't bring anything to the table in dealing with the Almighty. Faith that says you can't stand up and say, look at what I have done, God. Look what, love me more for what I've done. No, that's not faith. Faith is trust. Faith is, uh, as Martin Luther often pictured it, faith is, is, is the cup in the beggar's hand. Begging to be filled. And we see this on display in the second half of the text for today when, El- when Elijah calls Elisha. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. You see the irony there? Here's Elijah and he's angry and angsty at God because it seemed like God had stripped him of everything. And yet here's Elisha who obviously had great wealth. Scripture tells us that he was plowing fields with 12 yoke of oxen. Yet, what does he do? He gets this call. He gets this encouragement. He gets this reminder. He kisses Ma and Pa goodbye. He doesn't just leave like, oh, maybe I can come back to this later. He shows that he's had his doubts answered with faith. It's not a, I'll come back if all else fails kind of thing. No, he goes and he slaughters the very means of his livelihood, the source of his wealth. Elisha, young as he was, knew that he would need none of that for this profession that he was to enter into, sharing the word of God, the promised Savior. I can't think of uh, this help but think of the disciples who dropped all their fishing nets. They left their boats on the shore and followed after Jesus. They left their livelihood. They knew that Jesus was worth it. Jesus, who being in very nature God, could have lived in a palace, been surrounded with wealth and servants and comfort and ease, yet he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. He said, foxes have holes, birds have their nests, yet the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus, the promised Savior, even though he is God, shows us that there's nothing that we can bring. Not Elijah, not Elisha. Because humans have nothing of value to bring to God. He calls us to this faith freely by his grace. Away from everything that we think really matters. We who by rights owe God a great deal. I was in a conversation earlier today with a young man. And we were discussing grace. And maybe you've heard this before. But the idea of grace is simply this. It's not just undeserved love. Grace is more than that. Grace is not just getting what we don't deserve. Grace is not getting what we actually deserve. What a wonderful thing this faith that, we, that we've been called to is. It speaks something contrary to the rest of the world. Sinful as we often are, or often felt, the nagging doubts that we've had, the bones that we've had to pick with God because maybe he didn't move the mountain that we wanted moved, 
or we didn't shatter the earth with the earthquake that we wanted. He didn't burn our enemies and our problems away, away as we expected or we thought that we were owed. The amazing thing is that this, these attitudes of ours are just like he told Elijah, I hear you. And God gave us the greatest gift. It might not be what we want. It might not be what we expect, but it's what we need. It's the answer to all of our nagging doubts and fears. The still small voice of a man who tells his disciples, take and eat, take and drink. This is my body. This is my blood. The still small voice of a man that says, go baptize all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them everything I've commanded you. The quiet voice who, who muttered on the cross as he, he gave his life for the sins of the whole world. Father, forgive them. That's where our faith is founded in. The Lord gave us his one and only Son who reduced himself to less than nothing. That God, who cannot die, should find a way to die for me. And that mercy that we might find there in those quiet things, forgiveness and peace and the sure hope of eternal life. We strive to grow in that faith. We strive to make it a part of us, to hold it close to our hearts, to remember in those, in those moments of doubt, remember that faith, remember your Savior who abandoned everything for us, who had every reason to doubt but never doubted one bit. Now look to his perfection. Because that's your perfection. And it's mine. What an incredible thing that is when we see that our, or our Lord Jesus and the simple things that he gives us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, the sacraments, the word, grow in these things. They're accessible. They're here for you. They're here for me. And all of it speaks the gospel and answers all of our doubts with faith. Amen. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church, Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again, www.stmarkbemidji.org All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day. Hey there, parents. Are you on the lookout for a fantastic school in the Bemidji area that embraces Christian values? Well, look no further. Introducing St. Mark's Christian Day School, where education meets faith in an extraordinary way. At St. Mark's, we get it. We understand that your child's education should be rooted in God, compassion, and unwavering faith. 
Our experienced team of dedicated educators are here to provide a top-notch education to students in grades K through 8 that nourishes the mind, heart, and soul. With small class sizes and a personalized approach, we create a safe and dynamic environment where your child can explore the God-given talents and excel academically. Our teachers integrate biblical principles throughout the day, ensuring your child grows into a compassionate and morally grounded individual. Our students are also able to participate in extracurricular activities with the Bemidji School District. For more information about St. Mark's Day School, call John at 218-444-3939 or at principal at stmarksbemidji.org.